Man, well, it's a good night already. How are you guys doing? Yeah, awesome. Well, hey, I know Matt had you guys talk about the Super Bowl earlier, but I feel like we need to revisit the Super Bowl because I feel like can we just all be in agreement that the best part of the Super Bowl was... Okay, I really thought we were going to collectively say Justin Timberlake halftime show. Anyone? Anyone? Yes. Okay. It was incredible. And I, I tried to count the number of different stages that he was on. I feel like there was eight or nine by the end of the performance. He was jumping around everywhere. It was amazing. I loved it. Loved every bit of it. But I'm also curious, does anybody else keep up with any part of Justin Timberlake's personal life? Anyone at all? Okay, I don't know if hashtag goals is still a thing, but I feel like it is. I feel like we're still in that. And I just think that Justin Timberlake and Jessica Buell are hashtag goals. Because look at this picture. There it is. I mean, he looks at her like that in every single picture, which is just incredible. So guys, you don't have to feel that way. Just look like that in a picture. And girls are going to be sold but then as I started thinking about Justin Timberlake and Jessica Biel, I was thinking about how there's actually a lot of other celebrity couples and celebrity families that we feel like are hashtag goals. And one is this family, Chrissy Teigen and John Legend. Yeah, which I'm not going to lie, I don't exactly know why they're goals. I just know that they are. I don't know if it's because they're just really obsessed with each other and really love each other, but they are goals. And then this next family is, is my favorite, my personal, like, love them. This couple right here, Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds, who are amazing. If you don't follow them on social media, you absolutely should because they're hilarious. Their relationship is just funny. Like, you just want a relationship like that. And then finally, there is the royal family of the United States, the couple that we all want to be like, the family we all want to have, and that's this one right here. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I just want to know how you can have a kid that cool. You can't teach that. It just comes from your parents. But man, they are amazing. I, I mean, I will never be like that. I will never have that much talent in a relationship, which means I will never have kids that cool. I will never have a family that awesome. But I think it's pretty interesting that as a culture, we tend to be pretty obsessed with the idea of the perfect family, the idea of the hashtag goals family. We all aim for it. We all want it. We look at it on social media. We hope that it's going to be true for us one day. It's what we hope for our relationship. It's what we hope for our future family. But I feel like if we were to all actually talk about the families that we have or the relationships that we're in, I don't know that any of us would say that they're actually perfect or that anyone would look at our situation or our families and say that it's hashtag goals. And I'm sure that you could look at some stuff in your family that you love, some things that you really admire, things that are unique that you hope to carry with you and you hope to carry on into your future and you hope to carry on into your future families but I bet that you can also find some things that you don't love, some things that you don't admire, and some things that you hope don't actually carry with you into your future and that you don't carry with you into your future family. And so, so far in this series, we've been talking about this idea of reputation. And we've really been talking about what you are doing to create your reputation. But tonight, we want to take that a step back, and we want to get a little bit 
broader, and tonight we're going to talk about your legacy and what's down the road. But specifically, we want to talk about the legacies that you come from, maybe the legacies that you've been born into, because every single one of you have already been born into a legacy. You're already a part of a family. You're already a part of something that is known for something that maybe you didn't have any control over, that your family was known for things before you were ever a part of it. And then even more specifically, we want to talk about what to do when there are things that are a part of your family, there are things that are a part of your legacy that maybe you don't want to be true for you. And so like I said, I'm sure that all of you can think of some things that you hope aren't true for your future, or some things about your family that you don't love, and maybe for you it's that everyone in your family goes into the same career path or goes into the same thing. They're all doctors. Or maybe there's a family business that people are expecting you to be a part of and you're just waiting for them to figure out that you don't have the skill set to be a doctor and it's just never going to happen. That's not going to be true for you. Or maybe that you just have no desire to be a part of the family business. It's not what you want for yourself. It's not what you want to be true for you. Or maybe it's that everyone in your family just stays in the same small town and never seems to get out. And if you had just one prayer, it would be that you would just please, God, get out of that small town. You just don't want to be there. You don't want that town. You don't want that to be your future. You don't want that to be your legacy. But then maybe for others of you, it's a little bit bigger than that. It's a little bit harder than that. It's a little bit deeper than that. Maybe the things that are true about your family that you maybe don't want to be true for you are things that you don't like to talk about because they feel a little bit more dysfunctional. They're things that you don't like to think about and they're things that you don't like to admit. And so tonight, I just want us to dive right into talking about those things so that we can figure out what to do with them on the other end. Because my guess would be that for every single one of us in the room, that maybe it's small or maybe it's really, really big, but there's at least something about the way that we grew up that we don't want to be true of our future. Or there's something that has happened to us that we don't want to affect us and to carry us in to the rest of our lives. And for a lot of us, it actually probably feels really, really heavy. Because for some of you, maybe you have come from a family that has struggled a lot with this. There's been a lot of financial struggles. That your family has never been good with handling money. And because of that, it was never modeled for you how to handle money. And you feel like you're already racking up debt that you don't know how to get out of. And you're wondering if that is forever going to be true of your life or that's ever going to be something that you can change. But then for others of you, the thing that maybe feels true and this legacy that you see carried out throughout your family is this, divorce. That for you, you've never seen a successful marriage. You've never seen a healthy marriage and you're wondering if it could ever be possible for you. Maybe you're even questioning if marriage is even something that you want to do because you're not sure that it can actually end up healthy and good on the other end. And then maybe for others of you, the thing that you tend to see a lot in your family is this, addiction. Maybe it's alcoholism, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's just an addictive personality that you have seen throughout your family. 
And maybe you're even beginning to see tendencies of it in yourself, and that's terrifying. Or maybe you're just waiting for one thing to go wrong, and you're going to find yourself on the path of addiction as well. And then for others of you, it's tough. Maybe for you, the legacy that you have seen carried over into your family is this, abuse. And maybe you've either witnessed it, or you have been a part of it, And no matter what, you're just wondering, is it going to affect you for the rest of your life, or is it going to be something that you are going to carry over into your future as well? And these are heavy, and they're hard, and they're tough, but I would guess that for most of us in the room, that there is probably some form of one of these that has happened in our family that is a part of the legacy that we've come from. And again, all of us, we all come from a mess of some sort, I think we could all agree that there is no such thing as a perfect family, that there is probably, whether big or small, at least something that all of us would change about where we have come from. And so it just begs the question of this. What do we do when the legacy handed to us isn't the legacy we want to be known for? What do we do when the legacy handed to us isn't the legacy that we want to be known for? Are we forced to carry the legacies that have been given to us? Are we forced to carry out what our parents have given to us or our family has given to us? Or is there something else? Is there another way to live? Is there something else that we could do? And I think if we were to all just answer the questions in our head, we would say, of course not. No, I'm not forced to carry that. But tonight I want us to look at a letter written by Paul to the church of Corinth. And in it, he offers this incredibly beautiful promise for all of us. And that's where I want us to start tonight. And this is what Paul says. He says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. And so here's what Paul is setting up the idea of is that, hey, there are different ways to view the world. That there's a worldly point of view that you can look at people through, and there's a different way to view them. And at one point, we looked at everyone through the lens of the worldly view. In fact, at one point, we even looked at Christ. We looked at Jesus through this worldly point of view, but not anymore. That's not how we're going to look at the world. We're going to look at it through a different lens, and this is the lens we're going to look at it through. And he says this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And so Paul is saying, hey, anyone who is in Christ, which is simply just, hey, anyone who claims to be a Jesus follower, anyone who has said that they are going to follow the teachings of Jesus, that they're going to walk alongside Jesus, hey, guess what? You are in Christ. And the beautiful part of that is that that that's not exclusive, that Jesus has said, hey, anyone can come and follow me, so anyone can be in Christ. And he sets up this incredibly beautiful promise that anyone who is in Christ, the old has gone and the new is here. So whatever was true, whatever has been true, whatever has been done to you, whatever is in your past, whatever is true of your family doesn't have to be true of you because the old has gone and the new is here. And so for all of us in the room, that means two incredibly powerful things. And the first is this. It means that who my family is doesn't have to define who I will be. 
that who my family is, what my family is known for, the financial struggles, the addiction, the divorce, the abuse, any of it, the control issues, the passive aggressiveness, whatever it is, whatever has been true of my family doesn't have to define who I will be. And then also it means a second thing, it means this. It means that what has happened to me doesn't have to define what others experience from me. That what happened to me, anything that has happened to me, any of the anger, any of the control issues, any time that I have felt excluded, neglected, abused, does not have to define what others will experience from me. That what they get from me can be far different than what my family has done to me. That the old can be gone and that the new can come. And so for all of us, it's easy to then just begin, well, not easy, it's hard, but we can begin to think about this question of what do you want to be known for? That if the old can go and the new can come, then what do you want to be known for? Despite your family, despite what's true of your legacy, despite what is true of your family, what do you want to be known for? Or what do you want to be remembered for? In other words, what do you want your legacy to be? So I actually want you to take a minute right now and think about it, and then I want you to call out your answer. So if anybody has anything, what do you want to be known for? What do you want to be remembered for? What do you hope your legacy to be? And it can be anything. It doesn't have to be with your family. It doesn't have to do anything with your family. It can be absolutely anything. What are some things you want to be known for? Call it out. Do what? Building engines. That's awesome. What you Who said generosity? That's incredible. Anything else? Thankfulness. What'd you say? Love. Love. What else? Making people laugh. That's a great one. Do you have a joke for us right now? (laughs) How many tickles does it take to tickle an octopus? Ten. Oh, ten. That's a good one. (laughs) Well done. Look at that. (laughs) Successful. You have already been known for making people laugh, which is absolutely incredible. Anybody else, what are some things you want to be known for, remembered for? What do you want your legacy to be? Whoa, everyone at once. What? Helping others. others. Humility, compassion, being a servant. servant. Somebody said something back here. Helping those in need. Being patient. You're being very patient, yes? More like Jesus. Incredible. Anybody else? Smart do what? Smart investor. Why did you guys laugh at that? That's a good career. An investor, right? Like smart with your money, right? Like, wait, you're laughing at her? What did she say? Public speaking. Good one. That's incredible. Well, here's the thing. Literally every single one of those things, public speaking, investing, generosity, loving others, making people laugh, everything that you guys said, helping people in need, every single one of those things, no matter where you have come from, no matter what has happened to you, no matter what is true of your family, no matter what legacy you have been born into, No matter what has been true of your past, no matter what you have done, no matter where you have screwed up, no matter where somebody has screwed you over, every single one of those things can be true of your life. 
Because we have been given the promise that if we are in Jesus, then the old has gone and the new is here. That every single one of those things, regardless of your family, regardless of where you've come from, regardless of what has been true, that if you are in Jesus, then the old has gone and the new is here. That every single one of those things is possible. And now at this point, we could just stick a Jesus band-aid on it and say, there you go. That's it, because Jesus says that it's possible and Jesus says that it's true. It gets to be true. That just because you've experienced divorce, you can have a great marriage. Just because your parents were terrible with finances, you can be really good at finances. Just because abuse has happened to you doesn't mean that it'll ever affect you in the future because Jesus says that the old has gone and the new is here. And while that is an incredible, incredible good promise, it doesn't matter if you don't know how to go from old to new. And so we looked in 2 Corinthians where Jesus tells us, hey, there is this incredible promise that the old is gone, the new is here, that what has happened and what has had been true doesn't have to be true. Now I want us to look in Hebrews. Because in this verse in Hebrews, it tells us exactly what it looks like to walk out of the old and into the new. And this is what it says. It says, therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And it continues and says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer of our faith. So here in Hebrews, it sets up three incredibly important things that if you want to walk from old to new, that if there is a legacy that you have born into that you don't want to continue on, if there's something that you want to be known for that your family has never been known for, if there's something in your past that you don't want to be true of your future, that if you want to walk from old to new, that this is what it takes. And the first is that you have to throw off what hinders And for a lot of us, when it comes to throwing off what hinders and when it comes to our family and when it comes to hurt, a lot of the times the things that we're going to have to throw off looks a lot like anger. And it looks a lot like bitterness. And it looks a lot like disappointment. And it looks a lot like comparison. And it looks a lot like fear. And so if we're going to be willing to throw off what hinders, the reality is is that it's going to take some work. But if we want to go from old to new, it's going to require us to take a step. And the first step is going to be to throw off what hinders. And if we're going to do that, the step might look like taking a step of forgiveness. And I don't know who you need to forgive or what that looks like, but there might be a parent or a family member or somebody in your past that if you want to throw off what hinders and you want to go from old to new, you're going to have to choose to forgive. And for others of you, we talk about this a lot, but it might mean that the step that you need to take off to throw off what hinders is you need to take a step into counseling. That you need to surround yourself with other people who are going to help you process and work through the things in your past that you don't want to be true of your future. That you need to take a step from the old into the new. And for others of you, the step that you might need to take, the thing that you need to throw off is that you don't really have anyone in your family that can be a solid influence for you. And so the step you might need to take is to find somebody outside of your family that you can look up to, 
that you can look at, that you feel like can actually be a model for you in your life. And so I don't know what the step is. I don't know what it is that you need to throw off. But if you want to go from old to new, the first step is going to be to throw off what hinders. But that's not the only thing that it talks about in Hebrews because the second thing that it talked about was to run your race, to run with perseverance the race that has been marked out for you. And I think that this is one of the most freeing and powerful things there is, is that you have been given your own race, that your race is not your mom's race, your race is not your dad's race, your race is not your brother's race, your race is not your uncle's race, your race is not your friend's race, your race is not your neighbor's race. God has a race marked out for you. And so I want to give you permission to run your race with perseverance. Don't look next to you. Don't look behind you. Run your race because you have a race. And do not feel guilty for running the race that God has set out for you. You are not leaving other people behind in your wake when you choose to run the race that God has set out for you. And it does not mean that you are better than anyone else in your family when you choose to run the race that God has set out for you. In fact, the most powerful, the most loving, the most freeing thing that you can do for your families is to show them the beauty of what it looks like to run confidently in the race that God has set for you. And so if you want to step out of the old and into the new, you're going to have to throw off what hinders and you're going to have to run with perseverance your race. Then he finishes up this scripture, and the last thing that he talks about is fixing your eyes on Jesus, or focusing on Jesus. How many of you have ever driven a motorcycle? That is honestly more than I was expecting. I didn't think any of you had. I have not, but I'm going to use an illustration about a motorcycle anyway, because I heard a story about him, and I think it's super interesting. But apparently, you guys can tell me if this is true, those of you who have driven a motorcycle, but apparently, when you are driving a motorcycle, you, the bike will go wherever your line of vision is. Is that true? Yeah. So if you are driving and there is so like a wreck up ahead of you or something that you don't want to crash into, if you were to set your focus on that, that's exactly where you would go. So if you don't want to crash into the stop sign or the car, I don't know, whatever is on the side of the roads that could cause you a lot of damage and harm. If you don't want to run into those, you have to focus on where you want to go. You have to keep your sight set on where you actually want to go because if your sight lands anywhere else, wherever your sight goes, eventually your hands will maneuver the bike and the bike will go exactly where your line of vision goes. And the exact same thing is true of our lives. That wherever we set our focus, wherever we look is where we are going to go. And if we keep setting our focus on the very things that we don't want to become, one day we will look in the mirror and realize that we have become those things. And we'll wonder why. It's because it was the very thing that we were setting our focus on. And so in Hebrews, it tells us, hey, no, if you want to go from old to new, you're going to have to choose to focus on Jesus. And here's the thing is I think when you begin to focus on Jesus, you are going to find a man who is full of compassion, who is full of grace, who is full of freedom, who loved people, 
who was kind, and he was a man who was known for loving people well. He was known for healthy relationships. He was known for running to the broken. And if you were to focus on that, if you were to fix your eyes on that, then that would be the very thing that you would become. Everything that you guys said that you want to be generous, you want to be loving, you want to be kind, you want to help people in need, that if you were to fix your eyes on Jesus, you would become the very things that you said that you wanted to become. And I know that this can seem super overwhelming. And for some of you, you look at your families and you look at your past and you actually still wonder if it would be possible to go from old to new. But I know that it's possible because it's the story of my family. And if you were to look at my family with just me and my mom and my dad and my brother, honestly, we would be considered a pretty picture-perfect family. We get along really well, we're pretty solid, we're healthy, we're respectful, everyone's nice to each other, we have fun, and honestly, for the most part, that's true. I mean, we said earlier that there's no such thing as a perfect family, and that is true of my family as well. We're not perfect, but when I look at my family, there is far more that I hope that I carry into my future and far more that I hope is true of my family down the road than things that I would change and things that I would hope aren't true. But if you were to take a step back, that hasn't always been true of our family. Because my mom comes from a family where addiction is super prevalent. Their alcoholism and addiction run rampant. And I know that a lot of you have probably experienced addiction and alcoholism, and you know how devastating it is to watch it ruin relationships and watch addiction wreck lives. And that was what my mom grew up in. And my dad, his parents got divorced when he was an infant, and by the time he was three years old, he completely lost contact with his biological dad. And so my dad never grew up knowing his biological father. He wasn't present in his life at all. And I know that a lot of you don't know your biological father or have felt neglected or abandoned in some way. And you know how hard that is to process and how difficult that is to deal with. And I don't know that my parents ever made a conscious decision that their family was going to be different than the family that they came from. And I didn't get to be a part of my parents' entire journey, but I do know that some things are true because I've seen them. And I know that my parents decided to throw off what hinders because I have never heard either of my parents say a negative thing about the families that they've come from, ever. I've never heard my mom speak negatively about her family, but in fact, for my mom, it started with her parents who began to break the chain of addiction, and my mom began to solidify it even more. But she loves her family and respects her family and has never said anything negative about them. And my dad, the conversation of his dad not being around was a super open conversation in our family. And I never heard him talk about his dad with any ounce of bitterness, with any ounce of anger, or with any ounce of disappointment because at some point he he chose to throw those off and he chose to forgive his biological dad and he never blamed his dad for what he did. And in fact, because it was such an open conversation in our house, my brother and I knew our biological grandfather's name 
And when we were in high school, we Googled them and we found them. And my dad reached out to him at 43 years old. So 40 years after he lost contact with his biological dad, he reached out to him. And they had a conversation. And through a series of conversations, they had reconciliation and they forgave each other. And my dad's biological dad is now a part of our family and he is a part of our lives. And I know that my parents made the decision to run their race. They knew that God had a plan for them, a specific plan for them that wasn't their parents' race. It wasn't their grandparents' race. It wasn't their aunt and uncle's race. It was their race, and they were going to run it with every ounce of courage that they had. And lastly, I know that my parents made the decision to fix their eyes on Jesus because I got to be a witness of it. Because I have seen in my parents' compassion. I have seen in my parents' grace. I've seen in my parents' love. And because of my parents' decision to recognize that their life could be different than the life they have come from, I have never known a family where addiction is present, ever. I don't know what it's like to be in a home where alcoholism and addiction exist because my mom decided that it wasn't going to be true of her life. And because of my dad, I have never known what it's like to not know my biological father. I have never known what that feels like because my dad decided that his life was going to look different. I have always known that I am deeply loved and deeply cared for by my dad because he decided that he was going to be present and he was going to show up and that he was going to love his kids the way that Jesus loved us. And guys, I don't know what is true of your family, but the same can be true for you. That maybe your immediate family hasn't felt that way, but your future family can because you can choose to throw off what hindered you. You can choose to run your race and you can choose to focus on Jesus, the only one who can get you there. And the thing is, I think my parents knew something even bigger than that. I think they knew that Jesus could take them from old to new, but I think that they knew something even more. I think they knew that they were a part of a bigger story and it's a story that every single one of us are a part of. And there's this quote that I want to read you that sums it up so perfectly. It says this, Maybe your grandfather was a racist. Maybe your mother was an alcoholic. But your ultimate origin is a loving Father God who was forever in your corner and went to great lengths to ensure your freedom and renewal. Guys, that is your ultimate legacy. That is ultimately the family that you come from, that when you look at your past, when you look at what has been true, that you can throw all of that off and you can know that Jesus defines you, not your earthly family. That when it comes to your legacy, that when it comes to what you have been known for, despite what you have been born into, despite what has been true, despite what has happened to you, you have a heavenly father who loves you so incredibly much. So much so that he sent his son on earth to be a living example of who he is, and that is Jesus. And in Jesus, we find compassion. And in Jesus, we find grace. 
And in Jesus, we find love. And in Jesus, we find someone who ran to the broken. And in Jesus, we find somebody who said he would never leave us, he would never forsake us, but that he cares for us so, so deeply. And so if you want to know what it looks like to go from old to new, remember first that your ultimate legacy is of a heavenly father who is crazy about you, who is madly in love with you, and went to incredible lengths to make sure that you knew it. That is where you come from, and that is what can be true of you. And it's not just gonna be true of your future family, but it can be true of your future life, that wherever you go, whatever you do, that you can know that you have a heavenly father who is so madly in love with you and so crazy about you, and that that is your ultimate origin, that that is your legacy, and that that is the legacy that you can carry. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much that despite what has been true of our lives, despite what is true of our immediate families, despite the messes that we come from, that you have given us a legacy that we can carry. God, that you have given us a promise that in you the old has gone and the new is here. And that God, ultimately, that we are your children, which means that we get to carry your legacy and we are a part of your legacy that says that you are crazy about us and that you would go to whatever lengths you could to make sure that we knew it. So God, I pray that we would remember that. I pray that we would be reminded of that. And God, I pray that when we are in the moments where we're not sure if our lives can look different, that we would be reminded that you have promised that it can. Father, we love you so much. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.